Normally, I try to find a quiet time to record podcast episodes, but you might be able to hear a siren in the background. Uh, if you listen carefully, these, this microphone's pretty good about just picking up stuff in front of it, but there's a helicopter overhead. I woke up this morning at 5.20 a.m. I heard the helicopter then, and I've basically heard the helicopter nonstop the entire day. You hear the siren. Uh, I'm just going to keep talking through it. Normally, I wait for it to pass and don't record... Uh, try to avoid the noise in it. I walked around today in lower Manhattan. I saw virtually, I, maybe 20% of the people were wearing masks. There's litter everywhere. I, I've seen more litter on the ground of New York City than I think ever. I've lived here mostly on, a little bit off since the since 1988. And you know, you look at documentaries from when New York City, you know, in the, in the period when, it, when they said, uh, you know, uh, Ford to New York dropped dead, something like that. And the city was all, almost bankrupt. And it recovered from that. And it blossomed after that. It feels like there's something different now that pollution all over the world is getting so horrible. See, right now, people have lost the ability to cook at home. Not everyone, but a lot of people have. And so they eat out. Now, during the pandemic, restaurants can't open up inside, so people are eating outdoors. Almost every meal, as far as I can, well, I can't really tell everything, but there's people eating out a lot, and all their meals, they're eating on disposable stuff. That every meal that a lot of people eat, there's disposable stuff creating it, and then they're eating it on disposable stuff, and the amount of garbage that people are producing is insane. And as far as I can tell, people don't seem to mind. The human body can go a day without drinking water. And okay, let's take out, there are going to be old people, there are going to be people have, who are sick, there's going to be lots of people who have specific needs, but the remaining 99.9 of people don't need water every half hour. And yet people seem to have no, no second thought about walking to a store and buying a bottle of water. It's plastic they're going to use for a few minutes, and then the plastics can be around for 500 years. There are 8-ounce water bottles sold and 16-ounce water bottles that people buy a lot of. It, this is totally unnecessary for almost everyone. This is not Flint, Michigan. The water here is perfectly fine. I believe the water fountains work in Washington Square Park, and I don't believe that the virus can tr be transmitted that way. But even if it could, people can bring water with them or just go for a little while without. Yeah, it was a hot day today can walk around without, I'm, 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 put, I'm just about a 49-year-old man, and I don't need water every minute. And even if I did, I'd prepare for it. As you know, I pick up a piece of trash a day, and it, it's more like 10, 20 pieces of trash, because if it's right in front of me, I'm just going to pick it up along the way. And I'm just starting to feel help. I, mean, I already felt help. What, one person, what can one person do? It's not about cleaning up the whole world. It's about developing the skills and the mindset, and that makes lots of other things do more doable. I guess I'm affected that I just saw this movie, The Story of Plastic. I highly recommend seeing this movie. I don't know where it's available. There's an organization that I work with that, um, that got a screening of it, so I saw it. And if you know my recommendations of works to watch, to learn about environment, the, the environment, environmental leadership, The Story of Stuff, and that series, I highly recommend going to thestoryofstuff.com. I think just look up Story of Stuff. They have these great short movies. Uh, Michael Heaney, the executive director of the organization, was a guest on this podcast. 
And they made a feature-length movie, the, the story of plastic. Uh, I, movie, I should say, documentary. And it's unbelievable, the amount of plastic. If you, I mean, you're hearing me talking about picking up Gatorade bottles off the ground and Starbucks cups and just stuff that people just drop on the ground. It's, I mean, pick stuff up and you'll see where people put garbage. Any horizontal surface in the city, they just put stuff there and leave it. I, I, it's unconscionable. I can't believe that people do this. But it is nothing compared to the images that you'll see in this movie of the Philippines and Indonesia and places that were once paradises on earth, I'm sure. And they're not just covered with litter. They're like knee-deep knee in plastic everywhere. I mean, everywhere where it's like this. And it's just some of these beaches are just covered and covered with plastic that they can't possibly clean up. It's not just plastic. It's lots of other pollution too. And we are producing... Yeah, I just did a post the other day. It's not where the pollution is that I think is the key thing to keep in mind. It's not even where it's produced. It's who profits from the pollution. Who profits from making all this plastic? So it's Nestle and it's Exxon, Coca-Cola, Starbucks, McDonald's, H&M, Zara. The profits are places like where, when I look at the map of who listens to this podcast, it's people like us. That's where the profits are. That's what's motivating this. And, but I want to get back to the content, the, uh, the, the quantity of this plastic. And we're producing more than ever. It's only a matter of time for those of us living in a place that we consider clean before it's in our backyards like it is there. So look, I'm sure you've seen images of beaches covered with plastic. It's really whatever you saw before. First of all, you've probably become inured to it. You're probably used to it. And it's not such a weird thing anymore. You might probably remember a feeling you got the first time you saw an image like that. I certainly was shocked. I couldn't believe it. It was this real. And now it's normal to see pictures like that. And that means kids growing up today, that's their normal. They're going to be comfortable with it getting more so. I am working to reverse that. I'd love 8 billion people to pick up trash every day. But I just don't see people acting. We can go a day without water, but they'll just walk in and get an eight-ounce water bottle. Also, going back to walking around today, there are police everywhere. I mean, not every single street corner, but there's a lot of police around. And there's a lot of no justice, no peace, chanting, and it's not, it doesn't, I don't see people working to come together. It seems to me that this is a major leadership issue, and it's easy to point to the presidency, but I can point to leaders in every area of education, of business of the of culture and the arts no one's stepping up in the area of the environment and people i I see people polarizing more in the in new york city the mayor is virtually absent the president is exacerbating the situation why bother It, it feels like i mean i'm being a little more open than usual i guess i was talking to someone the other day who was talking about some of his work and he puts on this very brave front and I could tell that inside of that brave front he was scared and nervous and vulnerable and I don't think I've shared that enough that this is really scary Uh, I I feel like am I missing something or are there signs of mainstream effective action I mean really meaningful effective action on the environment because I'm not sure that I see it I see a few cases here and there someone like Greta who will sail instead of fly and I'm sailing instead of flying. 
most of the time, the people who speak the loudest, I, just people keep coming to me and saying, Josh, what I like about what you do so much is so many other people tell us what to do and they're so, they talk such big game about the environment and they themselves are among the biggest polluters. They say how they recycle, which isn't that effective. And meanwhile, they drive giant SUVs to the store to pick up stuff that's heavily packaged and so forth. Plastic production is higher than ever. With all the fracking, it's cheaper than ever to produce plastic. And for that matter, when you recycle plastic to the extent it is recycled, that produces another source, another supply. And if you increase supply for given demand, prices will drop. That's how you get things like individually wrapped apples in plastic, which nobody asks for and nobody needs. So it was a rough day for me in New York. I'll give you one thing. Why did I get up at 5.20 a.m.? Because I wanted to go to these two mulberry trees and pick fresh, ripe mulberries. It is unbelievably delicious to taste. I, I felt like a king. I felt like living in total abundance because the only way you can get mulberries right off a tree is to be at the tree to pick them. And they're so delicious and they're so abundant. They're, I pick one and they're falling down around me. There's mulberries all over the ground because that's what the, how the trees, I guess that's how they work. I couldn't believe how delicious they were. And I brought a couple containers to fill the containers and I filled the containers completely and I kept eating them like blah, 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 stuffing my face with them. Because if I didn't, they would just rot on the ground or whatever happens to the seeds on the ground, not seeds, but berries on the ground. And my understanding is that berries are super healthy. And I've been talking to people about this today and they're like, why do you keep talking about Ben and Jerry's? Because I compare it with how I used to eat Ben and Jerry's. I used to love ice cream. And I guess ice cream would taste the same to me now, but these berries... I can't believe people eat ice cream or people eat doof candy when they can eat so much more delicious stuff. And so that was a really upside for the day was to get my delicious fresh fruit berries right off the tree. A kind of weird side effect that getting up that early meant that I heard the police helicopter overhead and it was just overhead. Actually, I saw later that there was some event at 5 a.m. up in Harlem that was people throwing bottles around and stuff. So sorry this wasn't a particularly aimful, it was a more aimless episode, an account of my day. I'm sure you've had days like this. People don't really write back. I'd like for someone to share with me, what are some signs of hope that you see? What are some signs that it's worth pursuing this? I mean, you know, I just play around with it. I mean, I have this social and emotional skills to, I mean, this recharges me, this motivates me because... There are degrees of disaster. Just because uh, collapse happens doesn't mean it has to be the worst possible scenario. Everything anyone does at any time makes a difference, which motivates me. And I believe that there's leadership to be had, leadership as opposed to management of not just telling people what to do or spreading facts and figures in doom and gloom. I don't think there's a lot of people changing culture, changing beliefs, changing the images and the stories, the symbols, which is what I'm working on but it should be nice to get some support somewhere. I don't think there's anyone who really gives me much support. A few people. A lot of downloads. I mean, people download thousands of times these episodes. So people are listening, I guess. No one gets back to me and says, good job, Josh, or it's made a difference. I mean, a few people do, but it's pretty rare. I hope it's making a difference. Anyway, this is me being a bit more vulnerable than usual. Uh, down a bit from a day of social unrest outside my window, police everywhere, pollution everywhere, signs of all these things increasing, not decreasing. Well, this is me being vulnerable. See you next time.